Well, good morning, church. Uh, really, really good to be in this room this morning. I, uh, I get to be in a lot of different gatherings of the body of Christ all over the place, and I have to tell you, it is unheard of to stop and take time to turn and pray together. How's that for crazy talk, right? Church families just don't do that, and I just want to say, well done. That's a beautiful thing to see. If we're not here to seek him, I question what it is we're doing. Uh, and so that's a beautiful thing. As a guy from the district office of the Christian Missionary Alliance, I also want to say to you, it has been an absolute joy to celebrate the story of this church going from a bit of a pipe dream to what it is today. And to recognize how God has used you all to spread his gospel in greater ways. You've done it in Lincoln. You've launched people out of Lincoln. You're in the process of launching more people out of Lincoln. More people know Jesus because you all said yes to him. More people are being discipled who are then turning around and making other disciples. And it's just a beautiful thing to see. And even the story of this building right here. I would have been here back in a day where the season was coming to an end for another church family. And it's been fun to watch how Jesus said, uh, we're just going to turn the page to the next chapter and carry on. And so well done uh, to you all. Great to be in the room with you. If you were around last Sunday, uh, Ricky took you into the passage of the feeding of the 5,000. It's one of the most mistitled passages of scripture, right? Because that's just the men. There's women, there are children. It's probably 10, 12, 15,000 with five loaves of bread and two fish. Ricky did a great job talking about powerless hands and this this idea that you and I get to show up to Jesus with just whatever is in there. We don't have to come with it all figured out. We don't, we don't have to have all the answers. We don't have to have the power. We're just supposed to show up with whatever it is. And Jesus is able to take even the, the powerlessness of my hands and still do something unbelievable. Uh, it's a beautiful thing. Today I get to take you into another one of the unfathomable stories of Jesus. Another one of those times in, in the story where he, he just does what nobody else has ever done. This picture of Jesus walking on water. And the picture of Peter getting excited about the thought that he might also get to walk on water and finds himself actually taking a step out of the boats. Been a lot of sermons preached on this passage, right? You've, you've probably heard some of them. I have a feeling I've probably preached some of them. There are books written about the walking on water. There are phrases that even outside the church get thrown around about walking on water. And usually it goes something like this. It goes well until you take your eyes off of Jesus. It goes well until you start to focus on the circumstances around you. It's this, this picture of Peter, right? He's doing well until he starts to contemplate what is happening in his life around him. The winds, the waves. I'm walking on water. 
And it's as if he takes his focus off Jesus, and that's when he begins to sink. And so the sermon goes something like this. Keep your eyes on Jesus, and it'll go well. <laughs> you take your eyes off of him, and you're going to start to sink. It's a great sermon. I'm sure it's on YouTube. You could watch it later this afternoon. <laughs> I'm going in a totally different direction this morning. I just want to say at the outset of this one, if you are a tweeting kind of person, we're just going to set that down for today. Okay, we're just not a good message to tweet on. Because quite honestly, there are going to come a few moments along the way where you're going to think, wait a minute, what, what is he saying? And I just want to set that out there, and I'll give you a heads up when we hit those moments. But here's the deal. I think there is a truth in this passage of Scripture that I'm not sure I've ever heard anybody focus on. And the things that it's done in my own soul, even as I've walked through the preparation of this, I just think, oh, we're going to go in a little different direction. So here we go. How many of you in the room know what FOMO is? You know what FOMO is? You ever heard that phrase? What's FOMO? Fear of missing out. I think all of us have some degree of FOMO. This thing inside of us that that feels like we always should get to experience whatever it is that everyone around us is experiencing. I think there is a degree of FOMO in everyone, but then you get around certain people who just have extreme FOMO. Right? Everywhere they go, every room they walk into, everything anyone else is experiencing, the only lens through which they see it is when do I get to experience that? When is it going to be my turn? Extreme FOMO on people. These are the folks who listen to somebody telling the story of this incredible experience they got to have last weekend. And the only thing extreme FOMO guy is doing is waiting for you to breathe long enough so that he can jump in and tell you his story. Oh, you know what? I experienced that too. And Extreme FOMO doesn't allow him at all to just celebrate what you got to do, right? There are five samples on the counter at the grocery store, and there are six of us standing there looking at the five samples. Extreme FOMO can't fathom that I wouldn't be one of the five. <laughs> We walk into a space, maybe it's in our workplace, and somebody's getting a lot of recognition. In fact, their work and, and their effort is being highly praised, and I can't enter into that because I'm questioning, when is it going to be my turn? Why don't I get to experience what they get to experience? FOMO will drive us insane. Because we look at everything through the lens of what am I going to get out of this? And I want to suggest to you as you read through the Gospels, Jesus 
was surrounded by FOMO all the time. Right, the crowds were constantly coming. Catch this. Not because of who he is, but because of what they wanted to get from him. The feeding of the 5,000. If you know the, the story after that one, the crowd started to come back to Jesus over and over because they had heard what he did. Somehow he makes this miracle meal, and what if I could experience that? The healing of the sick. Whoa, I'm sick. What if I could experience healing? The crowds had, had come to understand the reputation of this Jesus. And so everywhere he turns, they show up. And the vast majority of the times that the crowd shows up, it's with this question right here. What might I get to experience from this man? They chased Jesus because they wanted something from him. Now, this is where it starts to get a little dicey. Hear this really, really clearly. I think Jesus loves to do things for people. I think Jesus takes great pleasure in healing the sick. I think Jesus takes great pleasure in pouring blessing into people's lives. I think he loves to show up and say, hey, watch this. I think it's what the sunrise is all about. I think it's what the sunset is all about. I think that's just the Lord saying, watch how we're going to start this day. And he just paints this unbelievable picture in the sky. We get to the end of the day, and I think Jesus often just says, hey, watch what we're going to put at the end of this day. I think Jesus loves when his people and even those that are not his people get to experience incredible things from his hand. But I think far too often, Jesus gets chased because we want something from him. And I want you to see what happens in this story of walking on water. Matthew chapter 14, if you're not turned there already and you have a Bible, I'd encourage you to go there. Immediately, verse 22, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side. He dismissed the crowd, and after he dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside himself to pray. If you followed along with the feeding of the 5,000, this is where Jesus was trying to be in the first place, right? The beginning of the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus had gone alone to a solitary place because he just wanted to be with the Father. What happens? FOMO crowd shows up. The people heard that Jesus was here and they came crying for his attention. We want something from you. Jesus does the whole feeding of the 5,000. He 
He finally says, that's enough. He gives them the experience. He sends the disciples away. He then goes up on the mountainside and starts to spend time just alone with the Father. Sends the disciples out. They're now on the Sea of Galilee. Verse 25. During the fourth watch of the nights, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. Jesus, Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I. Do not be afraid. <laughs> Peter, the chief of the FOMO boys, what's his response? Well, I, I want to experience that. <laughs> Look at what he's doing. I, I should be able to do that. Some of you are seeing where I'm going with all this. I kind of wonder if Peter should have just stayed in the boat. And if he should have just put his face to the floor. But his first reaction is, cool experience. Jesus, if, if it's really you... Help me do what you're doing. And so Jesus says, okay, Peter, come on out. Peter does the whole steps out of the boat, walking on water, pays attention to the wind, freaks out. What happens next? Jesus, I need a different experience from you. <laughs> right? I just watched you take five loaves and two fish and feed 15,000 people. That was nuts. But now I need another experience. Walking on water. Oh, that'd be incredible. So he walks on water. Oh, snap. This isn't working out so well. <laughs> I need another experience. If you follow Peter's story, Right? This is just par for the course. Constant. One experience after another. What about this? What about that? What about this? Jesus obliges, lets him walk on water, starts to, starts to sink. Jesus obliges again, grabs him by the hand, pulls him back up. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? Watch this. And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Now, you got to try to put yourself into the shoes of these folks. We have been on a, a frantic last 12, 15-hour ride, right? It has been a hectic, frantic journey. Where are we going to get food to feed all these people? Here's a little bit of food. Powerless hands, Jesus takes it, does an incredible thing. They're picking up, I think Ricky's words were doggy bags full of leftovers. It was a frantic thing feeding that many people. I don't know who the taco guy is in the room, uh, but taco guy said, I, I couldn't, I, we never could pull that off. Probably need to go find taco place after service today, but th there was a franticness about all that. Leave the feeding of the 5,000. They now get out on the boat. A storm comes up, and the disciples now are fighting the wind and the waves for hours, trying to make their way through. It is a frantic night. 
The fourth watch is about 3 a.m. So we now are into the middle of the night. It is it has been a crazy ride up to this point. Peter's still chasing experiences. And when Jesus gets into the boats, it all calms down. And for the very first moments in all of this frantic FOMO chasing experiences, look at what happens. They worshiped him. They finally got to the place where it was no longer about what am I going to get to experience? What's in this for me? It had finally come to the place where they recognized this is the Son of God. And we ought to be on our faces in worship. It's a drastic shift from the way most people pursue Jesus. Most of the time, our pursuit of Jesus is all about what am I going to get? If I do these things, that means I get this in return. And there is this experience chasing that happens. And often in the franticness of that, we fail to stop and just recognize this is the Son of God. And I ought to be on my face in worship. I don't know if you've ever studied the idea of worship in the ancient East. You need to bring in the word prostration. Be, be careful with that one. But prostration, whether physical or internal, was an act of, of bowing in submission. Ultimately, the physical act of prostration before whomever or whatever you are worshiping, it was a declaration that said, my head is lower than your feet. In other words, the greatest of what I am is not even in comparison to the least of what you are. Worship ultimately is a declaration of submission that says you are worthy. Now, I don't know how you do with this. I appreciate Ricky last Sunday, and both your pastors have done this many times. I appreciate it greatly. Ricky hit a point in the message where he said something like this, I'm just going to be vulnerable with you for a moment. <laughs> Let me be vulnerable with you for a moment. I have chased Jesus way too often in life for the sake of what I might get to experience. I have shown up in obedience to Jesus because I recognize others who walked in that kind of obedience received this kind of whatever from him in return. I have entered into settings where that person was receiving the applause of people because of how they were living in devotion to Jesus. And so I'm going to live in devotion to Jesus because I may receive the same. Watch this. 
I have sought clarity and direction from Jesus for my life, not because he is the son of God who is worthy of my devotion, but because I want my life to work out really, really well. I've chased Jesus because I've thought there was experiences I ought to have. Now again, just in case you need to hear me say it again, I think Jesus loves to give his people those kinds of experiences. But let me just put it in really brass tacks. If Jesus showed up in our lives today and he said, just so you know, you're going to spend the rest of your life suffering. Would I still chase him? If he said, Kent, you can, you can obey me to the nth degree, but just so you know, it's a road of suffering ahead. Would I still bow my life in submission to the king? And it's in the answer to that question right there, I determine what's really going on inside my heart. Have I actually come to the awareness that truly he is the son of God? The king who sits enthroned above all other kings, Lord over all, the sovereign one, the one whose kingdom is going to reign forever. Is his throne really above every other throne? And if it is, then the only response I should give him is a response of submission and worship, irrespective of what I might get in return. I'm struck by the fatigue that the disciples had to come to <laughs> to finally get to the place of declaring, you really are the Son of God. It's the centurion at the cross. He has watched the crucifixion of Jesus. He is standing there watching the women weeping as they're watching Jesus take his last breath. Scripture says that when Jesus breathed his last, do you remember this? The curtain in the temple was torn in two. Little detail Matthew throws in. From top to bottom. In other words, it wasn't a man-made thing that just happened right there. God literally rips the, the curtain in the temple in two, study the story, incredible picture of Jesus saying, I'm throwing the door open to the Holy of Holies. He dies, the curtain is torn in two, and then the earth begins to quake. And the centurion, a Roman soldier, who would have wanted nothing to do with Jesus, do you remember what he says? Surely, this was the Son of God. Let me tell you something. 
I think the whole journey changes when we shift from a FOMO-based, what am I going to get to experience, to an acknowledgement that he is the son of God and therefore I'm going to fall on my face and worship. It's exhausting to have FOMO. <laughs> it's exhausting. And when you have FOMO, what you recognize is there is so much complexity that we bring into every situation. When I chase Jesus because I want the next experience, I complicate the journey in unfathomable ways. Watch this. I bring my pride and my insecurity into the story. Right? I've watched that person. I know how they preach. And I know what happens when they're done preaching. And I know what happens on social media. And I know the accolades they get. And I. And so now it's my turn to preach. And, and Jesus, would you make this go really well? Because it'd be really cool if. And the. The flesh in us just starts to go nuts. My pride kicks in. People gonna, people gonna appreciate me like they appreciate. And then my insecurity kicks in. This too often are inseparable, right? <laughs> my insecurity kicks in because I don't receive the praise and the accolade that the last person does. And then I start to twist that into all kinds of sick ways. And, and now I'm starting to doubt him. I'm starting to live as though somehow he isn't doing what it is that he's supposed to be doing. And now the faithfulness of Jesus is on the line in my mind because I'm not getting what that person got. And in my flesh, I get that whole thing so twisted up. It becomes this crazy convoluted mess inside my soul. Start asking, where's Jesus at? Because they've been obedient to him with their finances and look how they're living. And I've been obedient with my finances, and ooh, I'm not living like that. Jesus, I don't feel like you're I don't feel like you're being faithful to me. Well, it doesn't take long, and I'm in a hot mess, and now I'm starting to sink down into the sea, right? Because that was about my experience, not about truly you are the son of God. <laughs> Let me go somewhere just briefly. My wife and kids will be in the second service. My wife would be like back there. No, 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 Kent, don't. <laughs> She's not here yet. It's great. Uh, I want to be careful with this because I'd love to for whatever voice I might have in it, whatever world out there, if I could help call us to something greater, I'd love to do so. Pay attention to the average song in today's Christian music. Pay attention to it. We are being inundated with what's in it for me.
what am I going to get out of this? How do I get to experience more? We then bring some of that into our worship gatherings, and that's not all bad. But man, think about it. How often do you hear music that is just about his greatness, irrespective of what I would get in return? In the Alliance, we've got a Liberian church out in Aurora, Colorado. Most of the people in that church family are straight out of a refugee camp because they've been running from civil war. They have in their wake dead people that they can't even begin to count how much loss they've experienced. The conditions that they have lived in. They show up in the States. I'm watching people take advantage of them in horrific ways. Not the biggest guy in the world, but I find myself in some rooms rising up in a way that'll surprise a few people. I'm watching the suffering they've experienced, and I enter into the gathering of worship and, and just stand there in the midst of people who have every right to say we should experience better. And it's one of the richest atmospheres of worship I've ever been in. It's just a declaration that you, you are the son of God and we're here to worship you. Folks, there is a freedom. There's a freedom in this. Probably sounds like I'm just pounding on this. I don't mean to be. There's actually a beautiful freedom. I don't have to live life through the lens of what I'm going to get in return. I just get to chuck my hands in the air. I get to bow my life before the king and just worship him. Truly you are the son of God. So let me, uh, let me finish with this. I'm, I'm in my office. I'm putting some thoughts together for this message. And an old George Beverly Shea song is playing in the background. Some of you have no idea who that is. There was this guy named Billy Graham. Again, some of you don't know who that is. His main musician that would go do all of these evangelistic crusades with him was a guy named George Beverly Shea. He wrote a song entitled, I'd Rather Have Jesus. <laughs> if I could sing, we'd just go there right now, but my wife would be back there standing up now saying, no, 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 no. Just think about this. I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. I'd rather have Jesus than riches untold. For some, we may not be able to even make it past that, that little phrase. For some, it's, I, I want Jesus. I'm going to chase Jesus because I think it's probably the ticket to a blessed life. <laughs> I'd rather have Jesus than houses or land. I'd rather have, I'd rather be led by his nail-pierced hands. 
than to be the king of a vast domain and be held in sins. Dread sway, I'd rather have Jesus than anything this world affords today. He keeps going. I'd rather have Jesus than worldly applause. I'd rather be faithful to his dear cause. I'd rather have Jesus than worldwide fame. Yes, I'd rather be true to his holy name than to be the king of a vast domain and be held in sins. Dread sway, I'd rather have Jesus than anything this world affords today. Lord Jesus, may we be a people who chase you because you are the Son of God. May we be a people set free from that that thing in us that craves the next experience. Jesus, I, I long to be a man who no longer needs from you for me to have a desire to chase you. And today we declare our worship. Truly you are the son of God. Jesus, we acknowledge that it is your throne that is above all other thrones. And we acknowledge that you are the one who is seated upon the throne of absolute sovereign power. Jesus, we, we choose this day to bow our lives before you in submission and surrender. And Lord, I'll say it for me, even out loud. <laughs> if there's not another blessing that ever shows up, I choose to live in submission to you. And Lord, where, where my heart grows weak, others would join me in this prayer, I'm sure, where my heart grows weak, would you pull me back? Jesus, we, we'd love to live a life just focused on you. Lord, for your church, I pray you'd carry them into the, the next days. I pray that they would find uh, a stirring in their own hearts. I pray that there would be a moment, if not today, in the near future, where all of a sudden the frantic pace of life, all of the stuff they've been chasing, all of the experiences they've been chasing, all of the ones they haven't yet accomplished that weigh heavy on their hearts, and they think, I got to go get that one. Lord, I pray that there would come a day, a moment somewhere where, where the wind would finally die down. 
and eyes would be open where they just get to see you. They find a thing in their heart that says, hmm, truly he is the son of God. We are blessed to be yours, Jesus. To be worshipers of yours.